Welcome, everybody, to the Fight Business Podcast. It is June 2nd, 2020. I'm Patrick Auger with the Body Lock and Sure Dog. And with me, I have the Executive Director of the Kansas Athletic Commission, Adam Rohrbach. Adam, how are you doing today? Great, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, first and foremost, again, ask this to every guest. At this point, I feel like things have died down a little bit, but given the situation with the pandemic and everything going on, do you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> yes, my wife is an avid uh, stalker of uh, Amazon. So we were, we've been prepared and I have two three-year-old boys. So we always have enough toilet paper in the house. Good deal. That's important, especially with with two three-year-old boys. That's yes, <laughs> for sure. You need it. <laughs> um, wonderful. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, essentially, just for, for our viewers and for uh, you know me as well, you know, give us a breakdown of the Kansas Athletic Commission's process when it comes to MMA events. Um, you know, in, in terms of if somebody's going to apply to be a judge, a referee, you guys handle all that. What does that whole process look like from your end, just a high level? Uh, well, I mean, if, a, if we, we get approached a lot by people who want to judge, we get emails, phone calls. And, you know, we the first thing we tell them they have to do is they have to go and do a training. And that eliminates about 95% of the people. You know, I have to sit through a weekend of training. Nobody really wants to do that. So that kind of that kind of cuts some people off right away. And, you know, once they get through a training, then they shadow. Uh, sometimes we let them shadow even before they do the training. If we if there's someone we know, someone we know has a skill set for it. So um, once they've shadowed and went through the training and, the, you know, if, if we have a need, then we start, you know, start them out on the lower level shows. And it kind of works out from there. Gotcha. And. When it comes to um, you know applying, once once you've done the the training and the um, shadowing, is there anything they do? They need to apply for an official license. Is it kind of just then, then they're put on a list that essentially says, "Hey, you're you're good to be called up at this point." Well, luckily in Kansas, we don't have a ton of people just light, blatantly going online and just licensing with us. You know, we've had that in the past and we've had to, I've actually refunded some people's money because we just didn't have the need for judges or refs at that point. And you want to be honest and upfront with people if they're not going to get work or anything like that. So we try to be as, as upfront as we can, but normally anyone that does apply for a license has gone through the training, has gone through the shadowing. We know who they are. They're kind of in our program at that point. So that kind of uh, eliminates that. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, now, one other thing is in regards to, you know, promotions and, um, you know, states themselves. But when we're talking about bigger promotions like the UFC or Bellator, we see a lot yeah. of the same names come up in, in refereeing and judging. Is that a call that's made on your guys' end to, to have the most experienced people in there? Or do they have some kind of do, do they have any say in who refs or judges for them? That's a, that's a kind of a loaded question, but I'll answer as best as I can and as openly as I can. I mean, we, when, you know, we have, we've hosted one UFC. I've overseen, I think, four Bellators. We host Invicta about every month short of an international pandemic happening. And so, you know, when we, you know, we received the call from the UFC that they were coming, I called up an, a fellow commissioner who hosts a lot of UFCs and, you know, just kind of picked his brain as to, you know, who we should have in. He gave me a list. Hey, here are some of the you know top officials you know in the world. Here are some people who I know. Here's people who would be accepting of your call, and kind of went from there on the judges' side. I think on the refs, I think we all know who the best refs in the world are. So there were some we wanted to work with that I'd always wanted to work with, and so we we contacted those. 
one of them fell out. So we called another one in and we kind of just went from there. And we had two of our local referees on and two of our local judges, ones that we thought were able to handle a UFC event. And we left some of our local people off just because, you know, they, they weren't ready. We weren't going to put them in there if they weren't ready for that kind of pressure and that kind of stage. Cause that, you know, that's, that doesn't help anyone. So, you know, there is a list. I think all the commissioners know that list of who the better people are and, you know, you want to have those people on the biggest fights. Makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Um, and, and that explains too, in terms of, you know, it's, it's ultimately your guys' decision and, and talking with other commissions, I, I guess, in terms of talking with other commissions about hosting those bigger um, events is, is cross communication between commissioners common? Like, can you just reach out to a commissioner and say, um, you know, New York or Pennsylvania, is that a, a common courtesy thing where everyone kind of talks because of the nature of the sport? Well, I think as commissioners, we all want these fights to go well. I don't know. If, I mean, I coached for 15 years and I made lineup cards out and I never made one out that hoping I would lose a game. So I always, I always want the fights to go well and to paint our commission in a good light and the fighters to have a good experience. And you want the best officials in there. It's kind of like filling out a lineup card and you know, if I don't know who the top 10 MMA judges in the world are, I'm going to call a commissioner that I know and ask them. Or if I don't know, you know, we have, we've hosted world boxing mat title matches and, you know, I, I needed, I needed some connections. So I called another commissioner and said, Hey, you've hosted a lot of these. Who do I need on this fight? And, you know, you get a list of names and then you start going down the names and, you know, do you communicate with the promotion once you have those names? Of course you do. It's their show and you want to make sure that they're getting a product they want as well, but they don't get to hand pick them. So, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Uh, especially again, given the way that the, the commission's function makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, even when you get the best in the world in, in the cage or judging, uh, you know, sometimes things happen and there's always, you know, fans yelling, saying, oh, something was stopped <laughs> too early, too late. That, that's part of the sport, yeah. right? Um, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, in, in your experience, uh, maybe not on the you know UFC level, but let's say on a regional promotion level, uh, we've got some inexperienced guys going um, going in there refing. Let's start with that. If, if a ref makes, say, a blatantly wrong call on a regional show or something that seems egregious on the outside, in your experience, have you seen that happen? And if that does happen, is there any discipline or anything that happens on your end? Or is it just kind of a like we take steps to educate them further, that type of thing. Well, fortunately, we, we haven't had any, you know, I've been doing this for over five years and we haven't had any egregiously bad calls. Have we had some referees miss some calls? Yeah, all refs miss calls, but we haven't had any of that, in my opinion, has been, have been so egregious that it prompted a mid-card pulling or, hey, you need, to, you need to take a few months off. You know, do they make mistakes? Yes, I mean, but I would say 90% of those mistakes the public doesn't see. I see them just because... I'm sitting there cage side and ring side and I'm evaluating them and I want them to get to the highest level they can and be the best official they can. And I'm, I'm always on them and I'm sure they on the ride home, they complain about how much I was on them that night, but you know, that's my job is to make them the best referee and official they can be. And, you know, if there was a, a bad enough call that would require, you know, a suspension or something, we would have no problem doing that. And uh, we just have been fortunate enough that that hasn't really been the case yet. Well, that's good to hear. And, you know, it's, hopefully it continues that way, especially with the yes. training. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, now, in, in terms of you just mentioned there that you evaluate them or you're kind of cage, you mentioned being cage side to evaluate them. Is that something you do regularly is go to shows and, and essentially kind of, I, I don't know, like evaluate them to make sure that they're doing things well to like, do they get actual written valuations or anything like that? Or is it just kind of informal? We, it's, it's informal. We do a postmortem. Uh, you know, Andy Foster has kind of led the way in the industry on that, you know, to get everybody together afterwards, after the show in the back, you know, don't do it around the cage of the ring. You don't want a ton of people hearing that. We open those up to the media. If they would like to be there, they can. And we talk about the judge's decisions. We talk about the referee's decisions. You know, if a referee, you know, has a, has a good, you know, hey, we, we're, I'm going to stand them up here. You know, we want them to explain to everybody, hey, why did you stand them up? You know, and if, you know, we just want them to be able to defend their calls because they're going to have to at some point. And it's great to hear what they were thinking and hear their perspective. And we can add to their perspective sometimes. And, you know, hey, why did you stop that? Why didn't you stop this? You know, why stop here and not there? Why didn't you take a point from having I mean, a fence? You know, why didn't you take a point for an I mean, you know, it's great to hear what their perspective is. And we've all worked together for so long here that we kind of already know what their answers are going to be. But it's fun to hear that from them. And, you know, we we have just over 20 probably combat sports shows in Kansas every year. I'm at at least 15 of them, if not more. And, uh, you know, I sit cage side ringside and I, you know, make sure they're reporting the results to me the right way, make sure they're communicating with the corners and the fighters the right way. And like I said, just kind of I'm always on them. But, you know, I, I want I'm try to push them to be as good as they can. Makes sense. And that's, you know, that's something I see in my day job in terms of uh, business consulting, you know, where we do a retrospective on, you know, whether it goes well or doesn't go well, always to, to learn and, and make sure that we're all on the same page. So it's great that you're doing that um, from my perspective, because yeah. it's, it's a huge, helpful thing. Um, you, let's move a little bit to judging and fighters more. Um, in terms of, you know, I, we just talked about if there's disciplinary things and the retro uh, postmortem, as you call it, in terms of the appeals process. Now, You've seen fighters over, you know, the years be upset about the way that something was judged, the way that a referee stopped a fight. Um, it seems like that mo almost all appeals get universally denied. Um, not not always, but it seems to be much more on the side of denying something rather than, um, you know, actually overturning a decision, that type of thing. Are there strict guidelines that you have or strict um, uh things set codified that essentially makes it so that it's it's almost always going to lean towards one way or the other, depending on like clear set rules, or is it more of a commission discretion, that type of thing? What does that whole process look like? Well, I think you, you laid it out well in your article about how, you know, what can a fight be overturned for as far as a judge's standpoint? It has to be you know, collusion or basically you found them cheating <laughs> or they didn't, or they had the wrong corner for the fighter. It's got to be something that's not uh, subjective or objective. And so it has to be something where they made a mistake, an intentional mistake. You know, they did something so egregious that, you know, Hey, you know, this, that's his brother fighting or <laughs> that's, that's a relative or, Hey, I thought Mike was in the blue corner, but it's Paul. Something like that. That would be something we could overturn. What we have, what we have done since I've been here, is that if there is a close fight, and you know, if one camp is just really upset, or we just want to see how our judges are doing, we will send those out for peer review, and we send those to that list of you know, 
judges that work all the UFCs and, you know, John McCarthy's helped us on us. Rob Hines has helped us, you know, of, Hey, can you watch this and make sure that our judges are seeing it the right way? And they'll usually get back with us within a day or two of, Hey, here's how I judged it. Here's why I judged it this way. You know, take nothing away from the judges that were there, but you know, you want to see how your judges are standing up against the best in the world. And it's great to get that perspective. Definitely. And that sounds again, like a great process just in terms of getting an outside set of eyes to look at something, especially someone like John McCarthy or established names in the sport, looking at that to make sure judges are going the right way. If you have a case where, you know, let's say a judge gave someone a 3027 and all the other peer reviewed judges gave it 3027, 29, 28 to the other guy, do you sit down and talk with the judge then? Do you, do you give them that feedback or is it kind of a, that feedback is just for your eyes only. And then you have a discussion with them separately. I think yes to both. I mean, there's a lot of the stuff I don't tell them that we hear back, but you know, if we get back, Hey, we sent it out to Mike Bell, to Sal D'Amato, to all these guys. And then they saw it exactly the way you guys did. You guys are nailing this. And you know, we have, we've had some really close fights with Invicta, you know, Shannon's an excellent matchmaker too good. Sometimes a lot of those fights go the distance and they are razor thin and, it's great to, you know, to get that backing from those judges. Now, when our judges are off a little bit, you know, we had a card, I think, without – off the top of my head, six of the eight fights, I think, went the distance, and they were all splits. And so I did a pretty deep statistical dive on, you know, which judges are splitting the most. So we went back and looked at all the Invicta fights that we've hosted, which judges are splitting the most. I had a conversation with a couple of them and said, hey, what, what are you guys seeing here, you know, and then, you know, lo and behold, two shows later, we had no splits, nothing that I did, but, you know, again, small sample size, you know, with only having four or five shows at that point. But we're, I am at least am constantly looking at the, the statistical side of it as to how, how our judging can be better. You know, it's kind of hard to, you know, have them watch the fights in a different way because that's why we have three judges. That's why we take judges with different backgrounds. You know, you don't want them to change what they're doing or get in their head too much, but we need to keep our eye on, are they using group think? Are they all seeing it the same way on purpose and things like that? Definitely. And again, that's from, from a consultant perspective, that's great to hear. Cause that's the type of stuff. If you were running some type of business, you know, you'd be doing that type of stuff, statistical analysis, constant outside feedback. That's, that's awesome to hear. And, and I well, feel like in my opinion, I, in my opinion, I am running a business. I'm the head of a state agency. I work in the department of commerce. You know, we, they want us to bring fights in. And if we have terrible refs and judges, we're not going to have fights. And I tell our referees this, I know you want to talk about judging, but I tell our referees this, especially they're the front door for our athletic commission. If we have bad referees, nobody's going to come here because they're not, they think, we treated fairly and I think we don't know the rules. And so, you know, finding great referees that know when to stop fights and know the rules and have good rapport with the fighters, you know, that's, that's huge for us. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, now you mentioned uh, Shannon Knapp and Invicta. Uh, obviously you have been at the forefront of the open scoring and. <laughs> that's uh, one word for it. <laughs> lines might be the better word for it. But. Well, I think it's for, I like forefront, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it's been it's been a couple of months now since that um, that card happened. It seems like age has given everything going on in the world, but yeah. um, it, it's been a couple of months now. How are you feeling about how that went? How are you feeling now that you've had some time to step back? You know, have some time to reflect on it. What do you? How do you feel that went overall? Uh, I mean. You know, like I, you know, Michael Rothstein from ESPN was there doing an article that night. And 
you know, after about a 12 hour day, we were just decompressing and he's like, how did you think it went? I said, honestly, I hate, I never say this, but I said, it couldn't have gone any better. Our technology worked great. You know, we had three fights go the distance. All three fights we used it on went the distance because they had a tournament that night. And in all three fights, one fighter was ahead by at least two points going into the final round and all three fighters won the last round. They maybe kind of changed how they did what they, how they approached it, but they didn't run. They didn't, you know, just sit back, you know, and say, Hey, I've got, I'm up to, I'm up two points. I don't have to try. They pushed forward and kept winning. And so, you know, we haven't seen any negatives yet. Granted, that's an extremely small sample size and we're going to track it. We're going to use it this weekend if the promoters wish and we'll see, see how it keeps going. You know, it, it may not be the best answer for MMA, but in my opinion, I think we need to try it. A hundred percent. And you just mentioned, um, that you might use it this weekend. Um, in, and, and it's up to the promotion. You kind of hinted at that. Cause one of my next questions was, is this a, you know, let's say that New York again decides we want to do open scoring. Do the promotions have to adopt it for, in your case, is it you're going to the promotions or is it an overall commission thing where you're going to the promotions now, but it may be a commission decision at some point to say like, you must do open score. I can say as long as I'm the commissioner here, it will never be our decision. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of new in this industry. The first fights I ever, ever attended in my life, I was in charge of. I don't know if I should say that out loud, but it's been five years now, so I probably can. And so, you know, I'm very new in this industry. You know, I've never fought. I never cornered. I never refed or judged. But, you know, in my opinion, sometimes commissions see their role a little differently than I see it. You know, these are the promoters' fights. These are the fighters' fights. And, you know, we're here to just make sure they're fair and to help them run their business. And if a promoter decides that they want the scores to be announced and the fighters know the scores, then they can decide that. I'm not going to tell them they have to do it. If a promoter thinks, you know, our fights won't be as exciting because the fighters know the score, well, then that's up to them. And if they think, you know, we think it'll be best for our, for our brand and our business, then we'll help you with that. Makes sense. And with that in mind, have any promotions following Invicta 39, have any promotions reached out to you? Have, have, have you been in discussions with anyone, um, whether it be regional or, you know, more national or international? Not, not about the real time scoring. You know, I think, unfortunately, we, you know, the coronavirus hit the next week. You know, we were, we were uh, set to host a bare knuckle on that Saturday, the, you know, Dave Feldman's bare knuckle fighting, they were going to utilize it because of how well it worked at Invicta. You know, we're going to use it this weekend. You know, we haven't, we haven't had a fight since we've used it that didn't use it because that's the last show we've had. So it's kind of hard to tell moving forward, what promoters will want to do. We haven't had anyone say, Hey, we loved how it went. We're bringing our business to Kansas, but we also haven't seen it the other way either, but I guess time will tell on that as more, you know, as we move forward. But I know Shannon is planning on using it at their next event. She really liked it and the fighters loved it. And, you know, we know though you do hear the negative stuff out there and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. But, you know, in my opinion, it's, I haven't heard anything said about me or the system that trumps the fighters knowing the score of their fight. I just can't, I couldn't look a fighter in the eye and say, you know, you don't need to know the score of your fight. <laughs> like your article said, they have so much money in their career on the line. The least we can do is tell them the score, man. Like that's yeah. a very simple thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean, especially given the way that their income stream works, I, I'm exactly. with you. I'm, I'm a fan of open scoring. 
with that being said, do you think just in general, open scoring will eventually become more common and be the commonplace practice, say 10, 20 years down the line? I would say if I didn't think so, we wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> I've I've been a champion of this for a while just because, you know, I, I coached college softball for 15 years and I couldn't imagine my paycheck or raises or other jobs I'm applying for being based on me winning and me not knowing the score of the game till it was over. I would get out of the business because I, I can't control that. <laughs> and so, you know, we want to give the fighters as much information and control as they can over their careers. And, you know, to me, knowing the score, you know, I can foresee a future where it's, you know, it's, you know, in two or three years, I think all commissions could be using this. And it's going to be up to the fighters to push for it because I can sit here in Kansas and say, we're going to do it. And our local promotions can do it. And obviously we have a huge platform with Shannon and Invicta, but, you know, until fighters get out, you know, Max Holloway's a huge fan of it. He flew out on his own dime to Kansas to watch it and to help us promote it and was great. Talk, he actually came to our postmortem and talked to us about it. And I think the more big fighters we get on board with it and say, Hey, we really want this. It's going to be hard for commissions and promotions to say no to them. Yeah. No, the fact that you had Max Holloway just fly out there because he was such a staunch supporter of this. You had Megan Anderson. You have so many people that are, that are coming out uh, fighters saying this is, this is important. This is great. So I'm with you there as well. Um, now in terms of promotions talking about it, you've, you've, uh, you basically said that you've, you've had some discussions. Have there been any other commissions that, you know, following that February show, have there been any other state commissions that said, hey, we're looking about trying to implement this. What process are you using? That type of thing? Oh, man, like you said, it seems like three years ago that that happened. <laughs> but I think a couple did reach out. Uh, you know, I, there were a couple articles where some commissioners had some not unflattering things to say about it, but that's their opinion and they're welcome to those. And I think Ed, the, the longer time goes on and it's being used more prevalently that I think those those concerns will go away because I think fighters will want to know the score of their fights. And, you know, it doesn't bother me when people say it's a stupid or dumb idea. You know, the Twitter warriors out there, they're who pay our bills. They're entitled to their opinions. You know, I, I'm here for it. I've never I've taken every interview request. Somebody wants to come on and debate me about it. That's a staunch opponent. I'll be happy to do that because I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying you know, hey, this is the best thing ever, but no one has been able to really give me a good enough reason why we shouldn't do it that can trump the fighters knowing the score of their fight. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd love to see that debate just because I, I don't know how someone could debate it <laughs> because like you said, I, I don't I think- I can give you the talking points. I've heard them all. Uh, you know, the it'll affect the judging, uh, which my opinion on that is if a judge is affected by the other two judges scores, they shouldn't be judging. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to hold ourselves back because of the people in the back of the room. We're not going to hold the industry back. I'm not going to not let Max Holloway know the score going into the fifth round of a title fight because one of my judges is offended that their scores are public. We'll get, we'll get better judges. <laughs> I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's just the way it is. And, you know, when you talk about good high level judges, I don't know how many, you know, personally, they always think their score's right, which that's why they're good. So they're not really going to be affected, I don't think, by how the person sitting next to them judges it because they think they're right and they should. I mean, that's their, it's their job. And so, you know, there's some other issues, you know, the fans will go crazy and storm the cage. I don't think we see that in football and baseball very much. I would say soccer, but I think we've seen that in soccer, <laughs> at least internationally. But, you know, nobody's charging the field in the NFL because they didn't like a pass interference call. It'll become the new normal, in my opinion. And, 
you know, I, again, I just, you know, the fighters should deserve to write the right to know. And we, if we can make adjustments on our end on what judges we're using and how we're delivering the information, that's on, that's upon us, but we want to be as fair and upfront with the fighters as we can agree or disagree with the judges ruling all you want, but at least, you know, the score. Yeah, no, makes sense to me. Um, now, obviously with open scoring, that's obviously a change to the judging system. Um, as a whole, again, you've, you've got, you mentioned it, fans have their opinions, media has their opinions, fighters, everybody has opinions on the judging system. Uh, when you talk about events like UFC 247 or things where there were some more controversial judging uh, than, than in most cases, I would say, uh, as the judging system overall, especially from your position, do you think that inevitably there will be more minor tweaks such as open scoring or a couple of changes here and there as it evolves? Or do you think that it needs to evolve in a major way and do a major type of overhaul as some of the fighters or coaches have said where they want former coaches, former fighters being judges, that type of thing. Do you think it will eventually go that way where it's a whole new system or it's just going to be kind of tweaking the existing system uh, with things like open scoring? Well, I mean, I think when you talk major overhauls, you know, I've heard, hey, let's have five judges. In my opinion, people don't think we can find three qualified judges. So how are we going to find five qualified judges? You know, you're asking us to find something more of what you don't think we have any of right now. So, you know, that in my opinion, that would be a little tough. Uh, as far as former fighters and coaches, you know, former fighters and coaches aren't beating down my door wanting to be a judge. Maybe they are in New York and California and Nevada, but I think if they were, Kim, Bob, and Andy would have them out there. You know, those are very competent people. They're the best people we have in the business. And, you know, when you tell a former fighter, hey, I need you to shadow. Hey, I need you to go to training. You know, to me, I don't think maybe they don't want to do that. And if they don't want to do that, that's fine. But we're not just going to stick them out there to judge because they're a former fighter. They still need to go through the process. And, you know, not that that weeds that out, but you know, it, we haven't had one go through it yet in five years since I've been here. We do have an actual current fighter that's a judge, but he went to our training and he shadowed and he's worked his way up and he he's on all of our Invicta shows and he does a great job. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. If the process is, is there, but people aren't applying, then there's not much else you could do about it. Um, in, in So let me ask this question too. If, you know, I'm down here in Austin, Texas, right? But I, I really want to judge in Kansas. Uh, can I <laughs> can, can I even apply to do that? Can I if I if I go to a training, say through Big John, I know has some trainings. Uh, I think Herb Dean also has trainings. If I go through a training like that or a training that you guys approve, and then fly up there on my own dime and shadow judges under your direction, can can anybody in or does it have to be somebody in state and or do no, anybody anybody can do it? And you know the the beauty of Kansas is that, you know, we're Kansas city is half in Kansas and half in Missouri or probably more so in Missouri. You know, some of our judges in the Kansas city area and referees are from the Missouri side. We still use them. You know, we still consider them our, our people. Some of our inspectors live over there in Missouri too. We've used judges from Oklahoma. We've used judges from Nebraska and referees from Nebraska. So yeah, you could do that, you know, as to how many cards you would be on. If a judge, if a, if, I mean, if a local promoter wanted to pay your airfare up from Austin, that would be on them. But, you know, that also goes into assigning for local shows as well, you know, of the cost. And, you know, we try to have as many judges around the state of Kansas as we can to cut down on travel costs for promoters and hotel rooms and, 
a lot of that comes into play too when assigning. So if you want to fly up from Austin and, and uh, Shadow, we'd be happy to have you as to how many cards you would ever be on. I, I couldn't answer that question. So. But airfare is so cheap right now. I mean, it's not that much. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes that makes sense. As a cost-cutting guru, I, yeah, I, I get that. Um, totally understand. Uh, with, I, I guess, with that in mind, though, where you're saying you don't have a lot of people knocking down the doors to apply for judging in the area, is there anything that you guys have done to promote saying, hey, we need more judges? Or is it kind of a, we've got enough, if you want to join by all means apply, we'll, we'll put you on local cards, go that route. But is there any sense of we, or, or urgency from your side where we need to promote people to get more into this? We need to try and make a push to get more people applying so we can get better judges overall. Well, every judge and referee we found since I've been here, and I think we only use two referees and one judge from before I took over. So we've kind of almost switched everything up have come from the trainings we've hosted. And so, you know, hey, we throw up training, hey, a former fighter or a current fighter, hey, I want to be a judge, come to the training. They come to the training, hey, he did really good. Or, you know, you know, John and Rob did our last one and they gave us some notes on some people and they ended up being excellent people for us. So, you know, if they get their name in, go through the process, you know, you're in the business world, you know, it's sometimes it's who you know. And if we see someone at a fight, hey, this guy's a coach, but, man, he really gets along with us in the back. We think he'd be a good team member. Hey, have you ever thought about judging? Yeah, I hate, they'll be like, yeah, I have. Well, you know, come out and shadow and see, see if there's something you want to do. And some of those have worked out and some haven't. And, you know, but I think you're always on the – you're always keeping your eye open for talent. And if you see talent and you see someone that you think can help us out down the road, you, you definitely plant, plant a bug in their ear and say, hey, next time we have training, we'd love for you to come and go through it and kind of just rolls from there. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, especially it, it's having worked with government agencies as well. It's, it is always about who, you know, as well as your qualifications, that combo. So that, that sounds right. Yeah, it's, it's just reality. I know it's not fair sometimes, but it's just, yeah. you know, we're a close knit family and we work together a lot of nights, late nights, you know, I've had judges, I've had referees drive six hours with me in a van to the other side of the state of Kansas or like from Austin to El Paso, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, and we're in a van together for 12 hours, but we better like each other. <laughs> so officials as well, but you know, you close that door in the back, we can say anything we want, but when the door opens, we're a United team and you may not agree with the call that your buddy made, but man, you better be able to go out and defend it because if you go and say, hey, I thought he made a bad call, that's going to cause some problems. So, you know, fine. We, 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 we educate them on good ways to say things. Like, if you don't agree with the judge's decision, just don't say anything. <laughs> you know, just say, hey, I wasn't I, – my line is I wasn't watching it as a judge. I was looking at other things. So it is what it is. You know, judges aren't perfect. Refs aren't perfect. But at the end of the day, we're, they're trying their hardest. You know, they're not out there to screw anybody. They're doing their best for $250 a night, maybe some travel money maybe some pizza if I'm feeling generous that night to buy some pizza and then they go back to their day jobs and you know, they're, they're out there trying and we don't, we don't need friendly fire. Taking them down, so. Yeah, no, I, yeah. That, and then again, just that whole camaraderie, I think is something that a lot of people don't know. I think a lot of people think like, yeah. Oh, you, the judges get assigned. Refs get assigned. They don't really know each other. They just kind of show up. They all get together and then they leave. Yeah. Uh, but you paint a completely different picture of like, nope, we work together. We're constantly trying to improve. It, it seems much more like a team environment. 
It is. And, you know, coming from the coaching world, that's one thing I, you know, tried to implement here was I need to know who my team is. I need to know who, uh, who we can put on the bigger events, who needs more work, who needs to, you know, who needs to work on their striking judging or their grappling judging. Hey, here's some fights to watch. You just assess your talent and put it in the best position they can to succeed. You know, I would never put a brand new referee on a UFC event. You know, they're going to work boxing in Abilene, Texas. That's just the way, or Abilene, Kansas. That's just the way it goes. And you can work your way up. And our goal is that they all work their way up, but, you know, they have to pay their dues. And when you start, kind of like we talked about former fighters, or former fighters going to want to drive six hours to Liberal, Kansas, or Elkhart, Kansas, to judge 15 amateur MMA fights for $150? Probably not. <laughs> and so, you know, but that's what you have to do. And at least in Kansas, you do. You know, we don't, we don't give, we don't give, if, uh, we don't give events on seniority. We give it on talent and talent plays. And, you know, if you jump to the top and you're really good, you're going to get in there. And just because you've been working here for 15 years doesn't mean you get to do Invicta Bellator or the UFC. Uh, again, great to know that it's not a, a seniority system. It's talent-based. Uh, I'm all for that again. I think, you know, I, as a business consultant, you're saying all the things that I wish my clients <laughs> Uh, would be <laughs> like you have no idea. I would love to hear from so many different companies. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, th that's all the questions I had. Uh, thank you again so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It's been extremely informative. Um, thank you so much, and and would love to have you back, especially as as open scoring grows. And who knows, maybe maybe in this crazy world, I will drive up there and and try to do a trading shadow a little bit. See see if I can get on a, a few regional cards. See see what happens. We'll, uh, we'll 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 send you to Hayes, Kansas next time we have a fight there. We'll see how it, see if you still want to judge for one hundred fifty dollars. But anytime uh, when we do have when all this calms down, I know we are going to have another training in Kansas City. We're housing the Department of Commerce, as I said. Our Secretary of Commerce, David Tolan, is very, very big behind what we're doing. So he's going to give us some money to play with on that. So we're going to bring in John, hopefully, and bring in some other people and host a big training. And, and we're going to open it up for the media. So if you want to come up, it's on our – we won't pay for your – flights are cheap, you, say, so you can get up here. But we'll, we'll cover your training, and, you know, we'd love to have you up. Turn, turn it around on me. Yeah, that's true. All right, yeah. I'll pay for my own travel. It's out there now, so <laughs> – all right. Well, thanks again so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Patrick. Thank you.